Sensibly Speaking podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and with video here on YouTube. I want to thank those of you who have uh, started watching this just based on the title. This is not a Scientology-related podcast, so I know, you know some chunk of my audience is not going to be interested, but I know some of you are. And for you guys, this is for you. This is about... Um, this is not meant to be about politics. It's about people. <laughs> and because I'm a people person and my channel is about people. And I am a very frustrated people right now, personally. Um, I'm very frustrated about a number of things that have to do with politics. But the thing that I'm frustrated about is not the Dems or the Republicans, or who's over who, or what, what the latest tit for tat is. What I'm, what I'm kind of frustrated about <laughs> is all the things that I talk about on my channel and have been for years. You know, you come out of a destructive cult situation, you go, oh my God, I can't believe I was so dumb. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I fell for that. I make, you know, I, that, that was my position six years ago. I come out of this situation. I, I come in fresh-eyed bushy-tailed into the big wide world, right? Everything's going to be wonderful. Everything's going to be great. And it was kind of a big reset on my whole life. And you guys who follow me on this podcast, follow me on my channel, know that journey. You know that this has been quite a, a roller coaster ride over all these years, and I've detailed so much of it. Um, but the lessons to be learned from this, as I often harp on, are applicable far broad, far more broadly to uh, political spectrums, to cultural spectrums, to social issue situations. And my frustration comes in when I see myself and others falling for the same old song and dance, I guess you could say. And the reason this is important to me and the reason that I'm taking this time on my platform this week to talk about this is because um, I feel we are approaching, maybe rapidly, maybe not. It's impossible to tell when you're in the middle of the maelstrom or the chaos where it's going, right? You know, you can't really tell. You're just trying to ride the whole thing out and hope for the best. And I'm talking, of course, politically right now. We are in the middle of an upcoming election cycle for the president. There's going to be Senate seats available. There's an opportunity to flip the Senate. There are lots and lots of things that are going to be happening over the next year and a half. And there's a lot of tension in this country right now in the United States. And the reason I'm concerned is because I think that this has gone way too far. I have certainly made it my business to talk about my political views on my channel. I'm not interested in being censored or being told to stay in my lane. I feel that I have good advice to give. I feel I have valuable life experience to share, and that's what I'm trying to do here. I have had arguments on social media. I have had arguments in person with people of opposite ideas to mine politically, Yet in real life, I maintain friendships with most people that I have these sort of rivalries or oppositional ideas about with. Uh, if I can throw a few more prepositions in there, under, over, and on top of. 
Um, but uh, in on social media, not so much. Block, block, mute, mute, kill, kill, right? And and some of the vitriol can really escalate. The temperature goes up really fast. Um, and I feel this is brimming over into our real life too much. Uh, when there are when there's violence, when there are calls for violence, when there are threats being made, when there are chants being done. When, when we're seeing what looks almost to me like lynch mob mentality on both sides, okay? Just to be super clear here, I'm talking just as much about Antifa as I'm talking about the Richard Spencer followers and the, the neo-Nazis and, you know, you got the extremists. They're the smallest part of the problem, but they are made into the bit, you know, one of the biggest, most loudest parts by our media. And the media is something I'm having a real, real problem with right now. Um, so, you know, just as a sort of exercise here, really, just as kind of an experiment, I really don't know where this show is going to go this week, but I'm sort of framing it all this way to start with to kind of give you an idea of what's on my mind. And I've invited a friend of mine who is more right-leaning than left. We're both sort of consider ourselves, I think, sort of not, I don't think either one of us would call ourselves centrists, but we kind of feel like we're not, you know, we're neither one of us are out on these extreme ends, right? Both of us think Antifa and the Nazis are nuts. Right? And I think we're joined by the majority of people out there. But my friend, he lives in Arizona. He is uh, a gun, you know, uh, advocate, that sort of thing. His name is Brandon Estrella. Welcome, Brandon, to my show. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So what I thought we might try to do here is engage in some civil discourse, you know, uh, lead by example and all that. Uh, <laughs> but let's talk not about or you know, maybe we'll get into some of the, the the niceties or this or the single issues that are on our minds about things from the left and from the right. But what I'm more concerned about is the manipulation, the emotional manipulation, the, the data manipulation, information control, if we're going to put it into cult terms, that's kind of being perpetuated, I think, on all of us, uh, on both sides of the spectrum. This became uh, kind of clear, and Brandon, maybe you could uh, talk about this from your perspective, is you know, we have been talking for, I think, months now mm -hmm. about the border situation. And we were going to do a show about the border situation because you've actually been down there as a, as a uniformed you know, uh, law enforcement type person down there. And so you had direct knowledge of what's going on there. I have spoken with or had email communications with other people who are border patrol people. So I've got some kind of inside information on what's going on down there. And it's radically different from what is being portrayed in the media on both the left and the right. Both sides, both the media on this are getting it wrong both ways, which is kind of scary. So uh, what's been your, you know, kind of leading up to this discussion that we're having here? What's, what's, what's your framing of this whole thing? The border situation? Well, and this, and what I've been talking about, about, um, you know, left versus right and some of the manipulation you see going on with this. <clears throat> well, I, I think right now with our media, you're seeing a lot of people, uh, specifically, um, you know, the, the mainstream media, 
and even some independent. Um, I would say that a lot of people that call themselves journalists today is probably not the right term for them. I would probably say more of a, a like I said the other day, opinionated commentators. Um, for instance, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the Young Turks, they call themselves, you know, true independent journalists. You know, they may go out and videotape something, but really what it is is they're taking the news from somebody else, say, you know, Fox Box or CNN, MSNBC, and then they're putting their own opinionated commentary. And then you have <clears throat> the Daily Wire uh, run by Ben Shapiro that will do the same thing. They will take stories from, uh, you know, whatever has come out yesterday or the day before last. And then they will uh, put their own opinionated spin on it. And that's fine if you call yourself a opinionated commentator. But when you start representing yourself as a, um, me, as, a, as a journalist and you start calling yourself that, oh, this is the real media, this is the trustworthy media, well, most people are going to want to trust that, especially more on the independent side. So when you have these both sides coming out with these stories and saying, this is true, no, this is true, depending on where you sit politically, you might be more inclined to believe the other. Um, most people on the right will probably be, uh, believe Ben Shapiro. Um, you know, people on the left will probably believe the Young Turks. And, I, and I'm not saying the, you know, the, the, the moderate left or right. I'm saying, you know, more to the, to the fringe right and to the fringe left. And, and, and I think that that's also not made clear enough either. Uh, a lot of times when we talk about stuff like Antifa or uh, AOC, you know, we say the left, but that is not the left. I don't see Nancy Pelosi condemning a lot of the things that's going on. I don't see Chuck Schumer and the moderates on, on both sides. And I don't think that's expressed enough because when that stuff happens, you get a lot of people like, oh, you mean all the left? It's like, no, I don't mean all the left. I don't mean all the right either. So what's been happening with the border situation is that you're a lot of these people are taking a couple of breadcrumbs and then they're magnifying it into this epic proportion, um, you know, to, to where you have people on one side saying that there's, uh, you know, the only problem we have down there is the abuse from evil card carrying members of the Aryan Brotherhood Border Patrol. And, you know, and then we have, um, you know, uh, on Hannity, he's saying that, uh, you know, they're trying to destroy the border and open and let everybody in. And there's some truth to both sides of what these people are saying, but they're taking a small bit of truth and they're blowing it up to uh, institute panic because panic brings ratings. And it's really disingenuous, and I've been completely just pissed with the media. They know what they're doing. They know that they're getting the American people all riled up and pissed off on both sides. And they don't do anything to stop it. it it's almost like, you know, they'd rather care about the ratings than the, the actual, you know, sanity of this country. And there's a boiling point, and there's only so much somebody can take. And I think we're starting to see that boiling point now. Uh, there was a, an article that came out in the New York Times not too long ago. And it said, would we ever have another civil war again? And they said that, you know, if you were to ask them about 10 years ago, no, of course not. But now they're not so sure. I'm, I'm, it's not going to be like anything. You know, we're not going to see um, uh, people running over a grassy hill with muskets. But it'll be a media civil war. We're starting to see 
you know, how it's kind of turning into that now. We're seeing a civil war between ideologies. We're seeing a civil war between the way the media is, is you know, putting things out there and how other people are shouted down when they try to bring logic to reason. And uh, oh, yeah, right now, you're you're at, you're I have literally been called a Nazi by people on the left <laughs> for advocating for nonviolent solutions to the, the problems that we are dealing with or that we are facing. I have I have been attacked for days on end on social media by my quote unquote own side. Right. Which really woke me up to the extremism on the left. Right. Again, not not a, not it doesn't have to be a huge percentage of the people. But a very small percentage can make a lot of noise, you know, and and then, of course, you see that same thing reflected, you know, on the right as well. Yeah, I I mean, I've been called a uh, I I was called a communist. I was called a a socialist. Uh, They were like, oh, I bet you, you know, you worship AOC at night. And I'm like, "Uh, no. (laughs) And and I'm like, why would you say that? And they're like, oh, because you said that you would like to vote for uh, a Democrat. And I'm like, um, yeah, I'd like to vote for anybody else. I mean, my choices are very limited. And, and then I said, you know, like, would I probably not? And, but I, a lot of, and this is the other thing that really pisses me off too. Um, and, and, and I'm sure you can kind of agree with this. Uh, right now, I feel that we're stuck in a, in a point where I feel like I have to choose a side and that angers me. That pisses me off because I don't want to choose a side. There shouldn't be a side. There should be both ideas coming together to create a better solution, not just an all or nothing thing. Exactly. Um, We've, what's happening on both ends, I've, I'm, you know, in, 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 in terms of, and tell me if you agree with me on this, is it seems that the, that the framing of, of either of both sides' issues are we are, it's the no true Scotsman fallacy, right? Like the guys on the left are like, we're the real Americans. We're the ones who believe in, you know, the, the melting pot, the open, not open borders, but, you know, uh, this, this idea Black of immigration and inflow of people from foreign countries is how this country was built. Uh, that's how it should be. That's how it should continue to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're not a bunch of Nazis. We're not putting people in concentration camps, et cetera. So, so we're the true Americans. And then you got the guys over on the right who are positioning themselves as the true Americans and the only ones, the red blooded patriotic, you know, gun toting, second amendment waving, you know, we're the real Americans, right? And both sides are convincing themselves they're really riling themselves up in the echo chambers of social media uh, I, I, concurrently, like in a, in a parallel effort that they're the real Americans. And I think this is engineered. And I'm not talking about some big vast conspiracy of the Koch brothers or something. I'm talking about circumstances engineering this, at, which is in a way even worse than having one or two elites you know, twirling their little mustaches and, <laughs> you know, Dr. Evil. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not that, you know, yes, there are influences from those people, but to bring all of this to some sing, you know, all of these millions of people operating uh, the way they're operating because of a single reason is, is, is maddening in itself, right? It's just conspiratorial type thinking. It's not that simple. Yet there is this media 
conglomerate that that is doing what it is doing. Uh, there are special interest groups that are so tunnel vision on what they're doing that they cannot see beyond their own special interest. And this is on both sides. We have this with the evangelicals and the religious right. We have this with the um, uh, what's the identity politics folks on the left. Uh, there is identity politics on the right too, by the way. It goes both ways, but it's just called something different. It's not as it's not as blatant though, and, and that I've seen though on the right. At least I haven't seen it. I, well, I I, ca- I think the parallel is like I like I said with the evangelicals. You know, their oh. identity is evangelicals, so they're on the God platform, right? And they're the okay, one I true platform. That's identity yeah. politics on the right. Okay. At least as that far as I'm, that's, now. that's, yeah, that's how I see it. So, I'm not religious, so I'm not, I don't tune into all that stuff, so. Right. And yet there are millions of people who are tuned into that. I did a whole podcast on it. 25% of America identify as evangelicals. And they, and, and a whole chunk of those folks are very, very, very adamantly racing toward, uh, you know, new Supreme Court justices, overturning abortion, making it completely illegal in all circumstances, no exceptions, this kind of thing. That's the identity politics of the right. And the identity politics of the left is, you know, getting tunnel vision on minority rights, which are fine. There's nothing wrong with civil rights and minority rights. But when that's the only thing you're focused on, and there are bigger picture issues that all of us need to be paying attention to, economy, climate change, et cetera. You know, we lose something when we focus too much on these things. And, uh, and so that is brewing. Those forces are also at work here. And all of them have a platform like we've never had in history. You know, it used to be pamphlets and books and, you know, small TV appearances, maybe a talk show appearance. Now it's Facebook groups, it's Instagram, it's Twitter, it's all these social media accounts in your face, paid advertising 24-7, right? And the media feeds it, you know, they get into all this. So there's this machinery at work. And you can't really stop the machinery. But if you're aware of what it's doing, at least to you then maybe we don't have to, you know, go to this place where we hate each other and are convinced that our fellow Americans are not actually Americans anymore. They're Nazis or they're socialists or whatever other nasty, bad word and label you can stick on them, you know? So that's my soapbox on that. What do you, what's your take? Well, like, like you were saying, you know, like with the evangelical right and they, and this is the thing that that totally makes me laugh about conservatives and uh, coming from a place where I, where I was pretty hardcore right when I was living in California, you know, for the longest time I was led to believe that the Republican party and the conservatives were all about freedom and, you know, the first amendment, the second amendment, the American flag, Semper Fidelis, you know, the, the full you know, hardcore. And I truly believed it, but it wasn't until I started looking at everything, the whole wider base, um, you know, both on the left and the right, that I realized that both sides, both extreme sides say they for, say they're for freedom, you know, but it's like, you know, I always hear about the right saying, Oh, we're for limited government. We're for individual freedom. And it's like, you know, if, if I can just say something, it's like, so you're, 
going to say that you don't want the government to tell me how many bullets I can have in this, but you're going to tell a woman what she can do with her own body. You say that you're for individual freedom, regardless of how you look at it or what your faith is. And then that's when I started kind of seeing like the card, the, the house of cards fall and started kind of just picking one. I'm like, man, you guys are hypocrites. And then, you know, the, the left will do it too, with they're like, oh, we're for individual freedom, but you're going to tell me how many I can have in this. And the point being with that is that, you know, it's like both sides don't truly believe in individual freedom. They believe in what they feel. They want to pick little parts out of their entree and just kind of discard the rest. And, you know, so I think it was at that point where I said, you know what, man, screw this. I, I am not dealing with either side. I'm going to be what I, you know, what I, I guess like Dave Rubin likes to call a classical liberal. Um, and uh, which I do believe the government has a place. I don't believe that it should control all and everything, but I do believe it has a place. But I do believe in true individual freedom, um, socially liberal. And, you know, I believe in standing up for equality, not special treatment. Um, and, you know, that that's the thing with, I, like you're saying, like identity politics. And I think that's the thing that gets under my skin about that is that I will stand lock and step with you for equality. I will fight for your right to love who you want to love, marry who you want to marry, smoke what you want to smoke, do what you want to do, say what you want to say. You know, I, that's just me. But I am not going to say that you need special treatment. And there's a difference that I feel between equality and special treatment. I don't want special treatment because I'm brown. I don't, you know, I just want to be treated the same, no worse, no less. And, um, and, and I think that that's fair. And, and I think you're absolutely right. And I think you would hear, I mean, as I'm about to say, <laughs> you know, from people on the left who are not so fixated, as I mentioned, um, in their, so in their tunnel vision on their special interests that they can't see the, the bigger picture. I think most people that I associate with and know, in fact, every single friend I have, including the members of the LGBT community, because uh, I do know transgender people, I know bisexual, I know homosexual people on all ends of this. They're awesome. Yeah, they're great. And, and every one of them have been awesome. And I and every one of them would assert immediately, at least the ones I know, hey man, I don't want special treatment either. I just don't want to get denied a job, the opportunity to adopt a kid, the opportunity to, you know, have a cake made for me. I don't want any of those opportunities that you guys have without, you know, you don't have to think about it at all. You don't have to think about your status when you go apply for these various things. All we want is the same consideration. No more, no less, right? And that's where I think most people are at, but it gets made yeah. out on the right to be, oh, they're a bunch of special interest harpies who just want all the special treatment and they want everybody to bow down to them. And it's, it's exaggerated. It becomes this hyperbolic positioning of, of what's actually being said. I can't believe that the same doesn't happen the other direction, the other flow. And the more I've been looking at, um, not the right-wing media. When I look at and listen to people who are on the right and what they say, that's where I see these indications, these pretty gross, blaring, obvious indications that they are being fed these lines. The same as the left are, right? The, the rights are a, bu a bunch of Nazis, a bunch of racists, a bunch of, you know, they're all racist. And, I've, and I have made that, I've, I've definitely put that out there, right? Because I get so riled up myself. 
you it's know, hard you not give to, it a, yeah, you give it a few hours. Well, yeah, and that's what they're playing on, because you cannot separate yourself from your emotions. There's just you just can't. There there isn't this this whole concept of of a rational mind and the emotional side. No, man, it's all a big jumbled mess. That's what it's really well, like up here. You're just you not know? using your analytical mind. That's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm operating too much on my reactive mind. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> so anyway, so I think that I think that we are falling prey to this. And I feel maybe I'm more attuned to or more educated on the subject of how this kind of manipulation is done, maybe than your average Joe. I mean, Every one of these books back here and a whole bookshelf out in my living room is literally dedicated to the subject of manipulating people. I mean, this is something I definitely do know something about, right? Having been manipulated, having manipulated others and looking at it in the broad spectrum of things, right? So when you call yourself, when I go out there and I call myself a cult expert, this is the kind of skill set I'm talking about having that that makes me think that I know something about this and it's worth listening to. And I see these tools of manipulation being used on all sides. The border thing was what really blew it up in my face because I saw the left media doing it just as much as I saw the right side media doing it crystal clear because we had the actual facts of the situation or at least more facts than were being reported on. I have uh, quite a number of friends that work on the border and then I've been down there to tour and stuff. So I've seen what, what's going on down there and it's, it's, it's craving. Um, I mean, there's just, you really can't understand how screwed up it is unless you actually look at it for yourself. So when I hear people say, Oh, the border's secure, there's no problem down there. Well, go and spend a night down there. And, um, the, yeah, the Coast Guard works with, uh, they work with <clears throat> a lot of uh, drug addiction. One of the, the biggest things that I, I think that people don't really see is that the Coast Guard is heavily involved in, in immigration because a lot of people that, uh, you know, uh, come into the country illegally are, you know, go, uh, they go through boats. And uh, it's the, the smuggling is a huge industry for the drug cartels. You know, they make millions of dollars off it. Uh, I can remember one time uh, we were out there and, and we saw uh, there was about eight Chinese immigrants that were uh, out in the middle of the desert that were dehydrated, uh, malnourished. And, uh, you know, they were very, very sick. And it, it was so amazing because when I went up to them, um, you know, they, they knew they'd been caught. But, um, you know, they got down on their knees and they put their hands behind their back and they leaned down like this. So then when um, the, uh, the field supervisor came up, you know, and, and he started translating what they were saying, I was saying, you know, what were they saying? He's like, oh, they were waiting to be executed. And I was like, well, why would they think that? And I'm like, well, in their country, that's what happens if they try to leave. And I was like, Jesus. Um, you know, so people want to attack us for our border policies. Look any place else. It, it's, it's way worse. Um, you know, and uh, but one of the things about it that's going on down there is the reason why we have so many people coming up is because uh, there's a lot of rumors that 
circulate in these areas about that if you just reach the fence, however you get through it, you will be offered asylum, room and board, medical, uh, you know, medical for your whole family. And then that rumor spins around. So it goes in all these little, uh, all these little areas that they're, they, they want a better life for themselves. So they are instructed by um, people in the United States as well. The, a lot of uh, immigration activists, they're instructed to say this, this, and this, and you'll be able to get past uh, the authorities, or at least claim asylum. And <clears throat> what a lot of people don't know is that Mexico and Brazil offered asylum to a lot of the caravans that were coming through, but they didn't want to take it. Um, so there's just so much confusion down there. And one of the biggest things is how it's being reported on. Uh, you know, everyone is being reported on that, uh, you know, we're just having a grand old time torturing people, uh, that we're making women drink out of toilets, um, you know, and it's, it's there. The reason why that came up is because the sinks are kind of a sink, toilet, um, you know, mirror combination like they have in jails. And it's just a, it's a budget way of creating a stall. And so you have the toilet down here, but then the pipes and the running water is connected to the sink that's up here. So it's, um, they have it, they have it in a lot of Marine Corps, uh, boot camps too. So it's, it's just, you know, it's just a way of building a kind of a all in one, I guess. But when you go there, it looks like, you know, are they drinking out of the toilet? So a lot of this stuff is pulled from some truth. And then before you know it, the, that little snowball that was this big becomes this big. And exactly. And this has been going on for a long time. This problem stems from this. Here's the simplicity of it, as I understand it, from having talked to you to having talked to literally Border Patrol agents who have been on the job for over a decade. Those are the people I've been talking to about this. And what I understand the situation to be is there are simply too many people coming over for us to be able to deal with. We are a country that welcomes people from other countries for asylum purposes and refugee status. We are a country that really does try to act humanely towards anybody coming into our borders. Our law demands it. It's not because I'm, I'm making apologies for ICE or for the Border Patrol or any of that. This isn't about that. I'm talking about the big picture here. We are generally a welcoming country. And this has led to a situation where there are very ruthless people called coyotes all over who are paid thousands and thousands of dollars, life savings, you know, anything they can get out of these people. $30,000. Yeah, they squeeze them for everything they can get out of them to transport them, right, get them to our border. Uh, and they are told, they tell these people, they tell these immigrants, these refugees, these asylum seekers, um, they're going to, like you just said, they're going to welcome you with open arms. That's everything's going to be great. All you got to do is get there and you're going to have the best life ever, which explains why they would get, not stop in Brazil, not stop in Costa Rica, not stop in Mexico, because they think the promised land is going to welcome them with open arms. And, you know, we would like to, <laughs> but when tens of thousands of these people are arriving, hundreds of thousands, I believe, over months, um, in May, 
Mm-hmm. Well, so in May, you had 17,000 people show up uh, this year. And then in 2017, you had 10.4 million. 10.4 million? 10.4 million. Okay, that's way more than I even knew. We're, we're, it's too many people <laughs> is basically the problem. And we have, again, explaining the real gist of the problem here, we have procedural problems. We have a we have a path to citizenship problem, which is the longer, longer, longer term problem. But on an immediate basis, there's just floods and floods of these people coming over, and we don't have the personnel organized efficiently to deal with this much inflow, illegal inflow and legal inflow combined. It's too much. It's overwhelming our resources. Hey everyone, I have some more good news about the Great Courses Plus and its latest featured offering. We all deserve to keep learning and definitely need to continually challenge what we know or think we know. That is what the Great Courses Plus is all about and why I love this streaming service. It's founded on the idea that education should be accessible to everyone and makes resources available to you that you'd literally have to otherwise pay tens of thousands of dollars to a college or university to be able to see or access. I don't need the heavy student loans, and I don't need the pressure of homework and grades and I, all of that. That's what The Great Courses Plus provides. Education, without all the other shenanigans. And with The Great Courses Plus app, you can learn whenever and wherever you want. This month, I recommend the Introduction to Formal Logic course. As anyone who watches my channel knows, I'm all about critical thinking. And this course helps show you how, such as using logic to overcome our natural impulses to accept false information if it sounds like it matches up with what we want to believe. I've talked about logical fallacies, and many of them are explained in detail here. I'm telling you, this service is amazing, and the resources are useful and easy to use. Right now, they're giving my listeners a special limited time offer for a free month of unlimited access to the entire library. Use the special link, thegreatcoursesplus.com critical. I've posted the link in the description to this video and in the notes for the podcast on my website. Again, that's thegreatcoursesplus.com critical. Give it a try today. If, if I can jump on something real quick, and, yeah. and also I, I want to note for the record, in no way um, is it in my official duty to speak on behalf of the Coast Guard, the Coast Guard Reserve, the Auxiliary, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, ICE, Border Patrol, anything having to do with the military or law enforcement. This is not my job. I do not speak for them, but this is my own personal opinion. Um, but um, the way that I see it is that you have... 17,000, I'm just going to throw that number out there because that was what was in May. You have 17,000 people going into a facility that is meant for about 2,200 max. These places are meant to be temporary holding facilities. They were never designed to hold people, you know, beyond 20, 30 days. Um, you know, is this something you go there, wait for your trial, you know, uh, okay, you came in here illegally, this is your court date, boom. But because of the influx of so many people, we don't have enough judges to process. We don't have enough place, uh, places to put them. And then the other problem is that a lot of these people, especially the unaccompanied minors, so you have somebody that comes out of the woodwork and like, oh, I'm the parent. 
okay, how do we know that you're not a trafficker? How do we know that you're not a, uh, you know, a sex trafficker or you're a member of the cartel that's going to hold that kid hostage? And if the parents don't pay, you're going to, you know, who, who knows in that? So it's the responsibility once these individuals <clears throat> end up in custody, they are responsible for them. So if they let them go and something happens to them, that is on the agency. And uh, the other thing about it is that a lot of these people do not come with any identification. Um, we have to find out who they are. <clears throat> the, the other thing is that everyone just assumes that these are all good people, and they're not. You have a lot of people that are escaping warrants out of Mexico, um, El Salvador, many parts of South America. You have people that work for the cartel that are trying to bring things across. You have people that are bringing uh, weapons. Um, we are not un totally unsure that some people might have ties to terrorist organizations. The cartel doesn't care where the money comes from as long as it's green. And so these are a lot of things that we also have to take into consideration. Again, also in these countries, they don't have uh, great medical practices. So if somebody had something that maybe you know, these agents were not vaccinated for or something comes through that we haven't dealt with in a while. You know, like uh, not too long ago, there was an explosion of smallpox down there. So these are all things that we have to think about. And just we don't have the resources. We don't have the personnel. We don't have the funding and we don't have the buildings. That's why we've had to take Walmarts. Uh, you know, we've had to take old schools, um, you know, and do the best job we can. So when people get mad at the Border Patrol or ICE for for not solving this situation overnight. I, I can't help but just shake my head. And it's like, what do you expect them to do? You know, you have uh, a crew of like 50 people trying to deal with 17,000. You know, th 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 there's no way. <laughs> exactly. And that, that is that, what you just said, that could be encapsulated, that could be reported on, that could be like, hey, here is a crisis situation of, in more, of enormous proportions, right? But that's not how it gets talked about. Instead, you have the left deciding to frame this by talking only and exclusively about kids, kids in cages. False memes get spread around, right, as well as the facts. The f there are facts to this. Yes, there are horrifying conditions that human beings are being kept in for reasons we just laid out. There is another problem here, which is that there is a policy, there is policy setting level at the White House where they have decided that making it broadly known internationally that you're not welcome here. This isn't what, you know, don't come here thinking that what the coyote told you is true because it's not true. And we're going to make it so bad that we're going to show the world how, you know, that this is how bad it is if you come here. So don't come here. Well, that's one way of dealing with that problem. I happen to think it's a it's kind of, a, you know, immoral, disgusting way of dealing with it. Personally, I think we're better than that. But if we're not going to allocate the funds to it, if we're not going to organize this up properly to deal with this problem at the order of magnitude, it needs to be dealt with. In other words, you know, much larger holding facilities, much faster processing, more, more judges, more people, you know, put into this situation. Explain, if you will, the spaghetti of organizations that are dealing with this situation, because it's not just ICE and the Border Patrol and the Coast Guard. Right? Well, the Coast Guard has very little to do with the, the actual border situation there on, on the southern border. 
they're yeah. more of a water interdiction and whatnot. Yeah. But as far as the organization of any sort of law enforcement agency, you have a, a ranking system as, you know, any sort of outfit would have. But when it comes to the Department of Homeland Security, they, you know, so DHS is on the top. And then you have these little legs at the bottom. You have the TSA, you have ICE, you have Border, Coast Guard. So they're overseeing all of this. And after 9-11, the Department of Homeland Security was created to kind of oversee all these things that had to do with uh, narcotic interdictions, excuse me, that had to do with border, anything where it posed a threat on the immediate line. The problem with it right now is that when we saw a little bit of this in Katrina, and so in Katrina, there was all of this, uh, you know, whose jurisdiction is it to handle the situation, which is why ICS was created. ICS stands for Incident Command System. And, um, you know, with, the, with FEMA, which is Federal Emergency Management. So basically what that was designed to do is when an analogy would be real quick. So let's say I'm a Scottsdale police officer and there's a homicide right on the line of Phoenix. I'm Scottsdale, I show up, and right there on the city limit, then Phoenix shows up. Well, it's half and half. Whose job is it? And that's where the ICS command system comes in, you know, to figure out who is, you know, running the jurisdiction and how we all work together to solve it and uh, make it a more uh, smoother transition rather than like, oh, this is my line and this is my line. So ideally, that would work in a, in a rank command structure on the border. So you have the border patrol, you have their, you know, their field supervisors, you have, you know, the chiefs and, and sector chiefs and all that and so on. But a lot of the time what happens is like any sort of um, management structure is it doesn't work like it's supposed to. And I'm not saying that they're incompetent or anything. That, that's far from what I'm saying. You know, I, I think a lot more credit should be done to the, to the people there. They're working a very hard job. And I don't see any other agency that could do it any better not even a you know a, a small town local agency but the the problem when you know you're trying to address something is one person will say it here put it in writing it gets kicked up the chain and then it goes to that person and then it goes to that person and then it goes to that person so by the time it gets all the way up to the top months have gone because you have a big stack of things that they need to deal with and especially when there's such a huge, a huge plethora of, you know, BS on epic proportions, more than we've ever seen. And it has to do with the amount of people, um, you know, every single time somebody gets sick, every single time, uh, you know, somebody makes a request. This is all forwarded up the line. So I don't really see how they would change that unless they had, you know, the head of Homeland Security right there in that facility. But that's never going to happen. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's not mismanagement. It's just, it's not set up to, to handle this problem. We never thought we were going to deal with this. And I don't think it was set up for that. Um, I, I, I certainly don't believe that Obama was trying to make problems when he had this problem, uh, you know, in 2014 and before then. And I'm sure he had his hands full in trying to figure this thing out when he uh, was dealing with uh, DHS. And just, but nothing has changed since then. And it, it's so, you know, Trump inherited this from Obama, and you know, and and I think uh, who was president and well, was it Bush? Yeah, um, you know, this problem was during the Bush era, 
you know, Obama inherited from Bush, but it's just progressively getting more. And I think that social media has a, a lot to play with that. Um, you know, as far as the information that's being spread. Well, but, see, that's the thing. There's the, there's the situation. There's the real live objective truth of what's going on. We have just been talking about that objective truth. This is the situation. Then there's how that situation is framed and communicated to the public at large. And that is a whole different thing. And that's where my criticism of the media on all sides is really coming in and where my temper rises as well, because it's not communicated the way we are talking about this. I haven't been able to find, and it's not like I've spent hours and hours and hours and hours deep diving on this. But, you know, when you look at what CNN, MSNBC talk about, when you look at what Fox News, the, let's, let's, let's talk about the major three. You look at how and the, and the representation of this young Turks on this side, you know, Ben, whatever, Shapiro and Dave Rubin and whatever on the other side. You have both sides taking bits and pieces of this, cherry picking what they want to talk about and blowing it up and making it ex exaggerated into more than it already. It's already bad. But now we're going to take these little bits and then we're going to add this other little bit on top of it, which is the blame game. Right? Oh, the leftist said this, the leftist did that, Obama this, and Obama that, and Hillary this, and Hillary that, and Clinton this, and Clinton that. And Trump this, and Trump that. Well, exactly. Both ends, right? Both sides. Yeah. Because, you know... It's it's the framing that I have a problem with. Trump is uh, I, I I probably shouldn't go there right now, so, <laughs> uh, because that man's ability to to frame something in the worst possible way and communicate it to his mass as as this red meat that he just kind of throws at them, right? I think that's kind of a whole nother level of. What I would really refer to, I, I really don't know how else to describe it except as cult indoctrination, because it's you so the, it's so twisty, it's so weird, and it and it's so visceral. The way he communicates is meant to do nothing but provoke emotional responses. He is not trying to feed his masses with the truth of the situation to quell and calm the storm. He feeds it. But so do other politicians, right? You get AOC with those, you know, bullshit pictures of the fence thing, for example, right? Or framing all of this in terms of kids in cages. When there is a, yes, there are children who are separated from families. It is completely unacceptable to me. It is completely, that policy is disgusting to me that that is happening. But if, but if I am driving drunk with my son in the car, I would never do that. And also I don't have kids and I was arrested my son would be separated from me. No, I, I, I get your point. I get, I get what you're saying. Asylum seekers are not drunk drivers. So there's a little bit of a difference there. It's, it, again, it's, it's a nuanced problem. There are some who are criminals who use children as human shields, as protection or traffickers. That exists. Even if only 1% of all these people who are coming over, even if just 1% of them were the bad guys, let's like take it all the way down to that. That's still a lot of folks when we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people coming over the border. 
we're talking about a whole lot of folks who, you know, are doing some bad things and they need to be sifted through and they need to be filtered and they need to be found. But instead, Trump presents all of these people as the criminals, rapists, bad guys, right? That's kind of how it gets framed. And, it, and there's- Some there's, of which I assume are good people. Yeah, well, <laughs> some of which I assume are good people. Like I said, in, he takes it and he makes it the worst possible interpretation of, it's a framing problem, okay? That's why I keep making a little frame with my fingers here. You know, it's like you can take this objective situation and you can talk honestly about the complications and problems of it, which we just did a few minutes ago, or you can blow it up into a visceral, hyperbolic presentation of calamity and criminals pouring over the border, which isn't true, or all of these families are being separated and all these kids are in cages and this is inhumane and we have concentration camps in America, which is hyperbolic because it's also not an accurate framing of the situation. So I see both sides trying to use this to score political points, using this framing and messaging to do it. But what ends up, but, but the whole point of, of our talk here is that what this ends up doing is it ends up driving wedges between people like you and me. The biggest problem here right now is the information that these migrants are getting. If, if they were not told that it's, you know, all you need to do is touch the fence and huzzah, you're in America and you'll be taken in. We probably, you know, I don't know if it's a for sure thing. I'm just speculating at this point, but maybe, you know, if they were told, look, in order so that you don't get, you know, locked up and, and you know, and have to go through trial and all this stuff, you need to go to a port of entry. You need to say, hey, I'm seeking asylum. I am in fear for my life from whatever persecution, you know, take your pick, you know, uh, political, religious, whatever. Um, you know, it, you you won't have to go through that. But you know what they're being told by uh you know a lot of these uh these activists as well is that you know all you have to do is get to the fence because they're not talk they're not worried about how they're getting there they just want to get in there and you know and it's it's uh i think a lot of these people are not really in fear for their life so to say because if i was running for my life i would take brazil up on their offer i would take mexico up on their offer they want a better life and nobody can blame them for that you know, um, they they want to they want to have a good life, and and that's totally fine. But you know, I, I think what's been happening a lot is people have been abusing the asylum thing, and it, it's uh, you know. Well, there's it, yeah, there's a number of problems with the asylum thing. One one is abuse of it. Two is the extended processing time. I actually interviewed a person on my podcast, I think two years ago. Uh, who was an asylum processor. I mean, that was his job. He helped people who were refugees seeking uh, help. And we talked for, for an hour about the vagaries and problems of that. And they are legion. There are a ton of hurdles that these people need to get over. And while they're getting over those hurdles, their body has to be located somewhere and it has to be taken care of. And if they are truly asylum seekers who have, it's a life or death matter for them, then we should be taking care of them. Sure. You know, but how do you know until you sort it out? So you got to run them through the process. And how long does the process take? Well, it's, it, it involves all the problems you were talking about. Sometimes they don't even have ID. You have to verify their identification. You have to verify that they're not criminals. You have, I mean, all this time that has to go back and forth with all this communication between the countries and whatnot. Tremendous logistics problems here, right? Uh, those are not the things that American people are talking about. 
what they're talking about is rapists and criminals or kids in cages. It's one or the other. Ah, you're a Nazi. You're a socialist. You're a Nazi. You're a, ah, open borders. Ah, close borders. This, this is crazy. <laughs> this is not helping anything. This, this back and forth, name calling, labeling nonsense. And, and yet it's, that is what the people seem to be thinking and saying and doing. Right. So I, Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, please. No. I was going to say, <laughs> I, I was going to say that um, I honestly think that there's been such a wedge pushed in between uh, this country now politically that I think it's, it, it's going to be a cycle if it ever does. But I, um, it took us a long time to get here. And I think it's going to take a long time to get back. And because right now for, and, and I'm, and I can't imagine how frustrated the, the majority of the country is because I know how frustrated I am because right now I have to vote between somebody. I do not agree with really much anything on except on some social issues, or I have to, you know, vote for somebody who is like a pompous moron and, but does some things that I like. So I'm torn. And I think a lot of other people are too. And my parents put it really good when they said, you know, in 2016, we were voting against somebody. We won't, we won't, we were not voting for somebody. And they said, and that sucks. That hurts to, to say that because exactly. you want to vote for somebody. You want to be like, yeah, I'm really excited to vote for this person. That's but, right. And I think, I, think that, I think a lot of people on the left felt the same way about Obama. I think they felt a big letdown uh, after, you know, that, that, sorry, not the same way, but I think there was a big letdown on the left with Obama because he made promises he definitely did not keep. He did some things that were completely uncool. Um, and he did not fulfill certain, certain promises that he, that he promised that, you know, things that were supposed to come off that didn't, that he could have done. I'm not talking about the economic collapse and he was, and he inherited a mess with that, which he did. And that had to be dealt with under his administration. And it was, and growth was higher at the end than it was at the beginning. I mean, he, he did some good stuff. There was definitely yeah. good things done there. Like every president, he made blunders and mistakes. And I do sure. not apologize for his blunders or mistakes. They were blunders no, no. and mistakes. No, every I president's going to make them. My question for you is, do you think if we get another four years of this, that after that four years, we're going to be in a better place? Do you think we're going to be in a more united place? Do you think we're going to be in a less divided country? Because I don't. I think it's only going to get worse. And I think all this machinery that is running full speed right now, the presses, the political action committees, the special interest group, the, the, the Wall Street, the 1%, all these factors that feed into this problem are going to continue at this red hot temperature and things are going to start melting. That's, that's what I think. And that's why I'm concerned enough to make a podcast about this. How do you see it? So I was thinking about, you know, what are things 
how are things going to change? What's going to happen in the next four years? Um, what I see happening is I think that one, let's say Trump does get elected in 2020. Every time he tweets something, somebody gets mad and then we forget about it. He tweets something, somebody gets mad and then we forget about it. I think if it happens enough, people will just be like, ah, it's just him doing his thing. Sure, the, you know, the left will get mad. Somebody will get offended. Somebody will be like, blah, 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 you know, and get all pissed off. But then they'll forget about it. And we'll go on to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And I think that will happen until, you know, he, he's out, until his term's up. Or we could see groups like Antifa say, you know what, this is it. We need to get this dude out by any means necessary. Um, you know, and, and other groups get radicalized and join with Antifa. But I don't really see that happening because I think that, and like you said earlier, these types of really radical groups are such a very small faction. Are they the loudest? Yeah. Do they get the most attention? Absolutely. But they're just so small when you're considering, you know, the, the rest of the country. Um, you know, but, and, but it's not it's not the it's not Antifa or the Nazis I'm concerned about. It's the proliferation and exaggeration of their of of their bullhorn of what they're saying that get, gets spread to everybody and riles up the entire population that I'm concerned about. This, I think that you know, he, do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I and I see what you're saying, but I I just don't think that I don't see. A bunch of whites, uh, you know, I don't see a bunch of white people going to the houses of uh, blacks and pulling them out and beating them up with baseball bats. I don't see blacks, you know, executing police in their police cars, you know, after this happens. I, I just don't see this massive chaos because I, I feel when, you know, at the end of the day, this is just. It's social media at its best in dark times. I, I think that I, I, I'm not really talking about the social media aspect of this, though. I'm talking about things like what's happening in Alabama and Tennessee and Ohio and oh, the, the countries where, where these, these states where laws are being passed right now. Test, tests are being made on the Supreme uh, to take it to the Supreme Court on getting rid of abortion. There are church uh, separation of church and state laws tearing down separation of church and state all over the South. They, they, oh, okay. they, it is opportunity time for the evangelicals and they are going to town. And these are a group of people who are extremely well organized. So that's the kind of thing I'm looking at continuing over four years. I'm not talking about Trump's tweets raising the temperature. I'm talking about actual policies and regulations and laws being passed that are literally stripping away the things that make this country what it should be, a bastion of truth and freedom and, and, and opportunity right. for every citizen. I mean, you know, whole, you know, we could talk for hours about the inequities sure. of, of sex education and abortion and, and, and all that in the Bible Belt. You know, I think everybody pretty much understands that case already. And yet you have this proliferation of ignorance going on with, with, this, with these folks. And when they are given more and more power and more and more opportunity, they take it. 
and they're not going to give it back easily. So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about that I see sort of developing steam and that kind of thing quickly becomes a bit of a snowball effect to mix metaphors here because once it gets going and the inertia is overcome and it's really rolling, boom, 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 boom. It's kind of like you see right now, uh, conversely, you see a lot of states passing marijuana legalization and it's at that ball, that, that, that thing is going and we're all like, fuck yeah, absolutely. Cause that's individual rights. That is solving the drug problem in some ways. There's a number of reasons why that's a good thing to be happening also. Uh, and most importantly, medicinally, it is very, very important because there's all kinds of research being opened up now on that front. Right. So my so my point is those kinds of things are where my attention goes because when okay. Alabama, so, Tennessee, Georgia, these guys are 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 you know regulating via the Bible, you know that kind of stuff is going to catch up with all of us eventually if we let it go unfettered. I think that, um, and this was it was a video that I was listening to. I think the Republican Party is on their last legs. That's why they're pulling all the stops. That's why. They're, you know, coming out with this crazy rhetoric. That's why, you know, they're, you know, they're saying all this stuff. And that's why they're, they're, because you remember when first, when Trump first got elected, a lot of Republicans were not in line with them. They were like, uh, uh, you know, they were stepping away until they, until they somehow got the memo, you know, Paul Ryan was anti-Trump. Ted Cruz was anti-Trump. Marco Rubio. I mean, none of those guys liked him and they, Lindsey Graham. And now Lindsey Graham is the poster boy for Trump. I mean, it's scary how much this party has morphed over the last couple of years. And it's because they see the the Republican Party dying. Um, The Republican Party will die. That is an interesting thing. That That is very interesting. I do believe that probably in the next 50 years, maybe even a lot sooner, I'm giving 50 years to be super liberal, but if I'm going to take a conservative guesstimate, I would say that in 20 years, we will never see a Republican president again. Because as time goes on, as these people that are growing up in a more liberal, progressive society, more you know, socially liberal as well, they're not going to be so quick to vote for somebody that's up there, you know, with a Bible going, nah, 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 you know, and 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 uh, you know, saying that uh, you know, marriage should only be between a man and a woman, or that uh, you know, women should not have the ability to choose, you know, whatever they want to do with their own bodies. Those types of ideologies are going to be snubbed as time goes on. And the only way that that could be switched around is if suddenly the country reverts back to a 1945, you know, uh, vision of what America is. Um, and also as, uh, you know, as, as time goes on, more and more people are going to come into this country that, um, you know, are from other uh, ethnicities, other parts of the world that have different social fabrics. Uh, that have uh, different policies in their heads and you know and whites are going to be the minority at some point and so i i do see that uh you know i i think the republican party's dying and so they're pulling out all the stops they're you know hitting all the red buttons they are trying to do whatever they can which is why donald trump is out there saying like uh when he was all like these people want to destroy the country they're pulling out they're doing this 9-11 9-11 was orchestrated by OMA, you know, so, um, you know, they're trying to get the American people to say, you need to vote against the enemy. These people are basically Al-Qaeda. I don't like those four people. I, I, I have no love for them, but they're not Al-Qaeda. 
Well, and that, if, and that's know, the point, right? Is we should be able to disagree on policy points without the without this extreme labeling of you're a Nazi, you're a this, you're a that, you're Al Qaeda now. I mean, Jesus Christ, man. But also Christ, we're in election. But we're yeah. in the election year, and that's why everything's been turned up, you know, high tempo. Because well, I, it seems to me it's been turned up high tempo for the, ever since uh, the the last election cycle. Uh, is what I've been observing. And I just feel like that temperature is just kind of, I think it's been on a steady rise and it's been exhausting the hell out of people. I know, I know people and I know that there are people out there who are just mentally, emotionally wrung out uh, because of, you know, all the that goes on every single morning. Tell me if, do you in the morning <laughs> look at your Twitter feed and, Sort of like, uh, you know, kind of like a little terrified of what you're going to see, because <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, what I first do in the morning when I wake up, I, I make sure that um, all of my troops have been harvesting my wheat and grain on my Game of Thrones game. But um, <laughs> that's the second. Uh, I, I, I'm not on Twitter that much. Um, I, you know, I don't know. It's it's. I, I'm just, it's not my thing. I, I mean, I use it sometimes if when I'm super bored, but, um, I look Fair on enough. Facebook, I'm on, yeah, I'm on Facebook a ton. And when I look on Facebook, it's always something like, you know, so-and-so said this, or this person's a racist or that person's a socialist, or this person's blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, I was telling you the other night that my blood was like boiling. And that I felt like my blood pressure just, you know, going up. And for the longest time, like I got rid of cable for this specific reason. And I just kept the internet. But I noticed when I got rid of that stuff, like I was happier. My my sleep was better. My mood was better. I wasn't just all the time. And I, I think that's how a lot of America feels. And I think that it's affecting relationships now. Um, you know, it, it's... I know a ton of people that have split up because of their political ideology. Um, exactly. You know, and, and so, so and, do and I think I, we'll yeah, ever get, I, I think that's a problem. Do, do you think we'll ever get back to a point where we can, because you remember like in the early 2000s, well, up until about 10 years ago, we could all be at a dinner table, hardcore liberals, hardcore conservatives, and we could all have a good time. And the, at the most that would come out would be like, oh, well, whatever, but we wouldn't be like, you're a Nazi, right? Like you're a socialist. You know, we wouldn't do that. Well, I and think what's been forgotten here, and this is why I highlighted earlier this business of no true Scotsman, is because that logical fallacy exists on both ends of the spectrum right now. I'm the real Americans. No, I'm the real Americans. Hey, look, guys, y'all need to chill the hell out, man, because we're all Americans. We're here. We were born here. That makes us Americans. We need to, I mean, when we're not even agreeing on that, I think that is setting the stage more than anything for your, you know, uh, when you were wondering earlier about civil war. And I'm not saying there's going to be civil war next year or something. I'm not trying to be some doomsayer here. I'm not making any predictions like that. I'm talking about, you know, emotions here. I'm talking about emotional boiling points and, and being pushed pushed, 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 pushed in this direction. And I think we are being pushed. And I think that, you know, uh, you could have a perfectly wonderful dog. You know, you could have a, I mean, this is a really bad analogy, but you could have a perfectly normal, happy, fun-loving dog and you keep poking it with a stick 
and you keep poking it with a stick and you keep poking it with a stick. And eventually that dog is not going to be a nice dog anymore. It's going to become very vicious and it's going to become very mean. And you're going to be like, but it was so nice before and we could get along so great and everything was wonderful, but you keep poking him and we keep poking each other and we keep getting poked, you know, and I don't think we realize that that's what's happening. I think that's kind of the problem because, and this border thing I wanted to use as an example, because here's an objective truth situation we both know about. We've talked about it now, but the framing of it, how it's being communicated, very different from what the actual truth is. And so it riles up everybody, right? So I think that continues unless we do something to stop it. I don't see how. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't see how we, because it's like, I feel like the, the whole political realm right now is like a, it's like a pachinko machine. Trump tweets, they react, you know, they say something about Trump, he reacts and boing, 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 you know, it, it on it goes. And I, and I know this would be super hard to do this, but the way you defeat Trump is you don't pay attention to him because Trump okay. is being a narcissist thrives attention and he loves it when they react. That's why he said that. That's when he was all like, go back to your country. You know, and then that's when they lost their minds. And then he was like, and you're right. You're, you are absolutely right about that. And I have fallen for that trap every time. I am horribly bad at that trap. You, You nailed it. And you got me on that one. Tim Pool came out with a whole episode about that, and he said that Trump uh, is all like, uh, what did he say? He's like, the squad fell for Trump's trap. And, um, you know, and this was one thing that I think that he he knows how people will react to what he says. And I think he knows that one way, and whether this is his way of like winning the election or whatever, or trying to get, you know, what he's trying to do is he's trying to make the Democratic Party look like a bunch of super social justice warrior, offended, lose their minds at every little thing. And it's pretty easy to do that. All you have to do is, you know, tweet something that is uh, that is racist or that is, uh, that is rude or misogynistic or whatever. And, you know, and to where most people that, that don't really follow this stuff just are just like, meh, what's new? But if you're front and center on the political stage, you know, I, I guess they feel that they kind of have to react to it. And um, so I don't think there's any way to stop that. You know, as long as he's got a cell phone, man, he's going to keep on flaming the fire. Um, and, I'm not, and I'm not suggesting that we're even able to do that. I'm not suggesting, oh, well, let's let's pass some laws. Right. Let's shut some people up. I'm I'm thinking the only way to deal with this is to is to deal with it head on by actually looking for and exposing truth, you know, uh, and, and, and maybe, maybe if, uh, well, it's a pipe dream, I suppose, you know, maybe if we no, can be a little it. less partisan, a little bit better critical thinkers that, you know, I always have to fall back to the, to the, the, the things that I've always pushed on my channel. Cause it's the only thing that's brought me back to sanity when I start going over the edge and I've gone over the edge plenty of times, cause this stuff is quite infuriating. And as you just mentioned, uh, infuriating on purpose, which I find objectionable at a very, very core level. I mean, surely you could agree with me that it is not the president's job to do that. No, it's not the president's job to be a troll. No, it's not. 
this is a man who does is he he does not deserve to be in that office because of the things he's doing with it. It's you know we need. I actually don't even care anymore what party the person comes from because I see plenty of problems with the with the Dems as well as with the, the the right. What I want and what I think we all need to be looking for is the person who's actually going to seek to unite America again, not divide it. You know, this 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 conquest, this this divide and conquer strategy is is ultimately destructive to our country. And when our leadership is is approaches their job that way, I think that's cancerous to our entire system. You know? How do we unite? I agree. But how do we unite a country that, you know, and, and of course we have people in the middle, but there's there's a lot of issues that people are pretty firm on and that are key issues that for voters, they don't want to budge on them because it's everything to them. You know, whether it be, um, uh, let's say, uh, religion, let's say uh, free health care, free college, guns. I mean, these are, these are key issues that make somebody a single issue voter sometimes. So yeah. I, I'm not sure. And maybe it's too late. I have uh, myself, I've certainly had plenty of uh, what I'll call a crisis of faith in our country, <laughs> in our system. You know, I've had to examine this pretty hard uh, a few times. And, uh, and I don't know if it's ever going to be reversible or not. I guess I just feel like if I don't say something, I'm not doing my part to at least say something with the platform that I have. And uh, and maybe if we can just, you know, maybe it's just a ripple effect. Maybe it's just dropping a, a couple little pebbles in the pool and hoping that they ripple out and somebody else joins in and maybe somebody else joins in. I, I don't know how else to approach this. You know, I don't the think media. one individual is going to solve this. I don't think one individual is causing all of this. You know, I think this is a number of factors, like I said. And um, and the only way I know how to, to deal with it is... Uh, raise awareness, educate, and, and encourage critical thinking on every part of this. Well, the media is definitely, you know, doing a dire try to divide us. Um, yeah. You know, I, I for, for um, last night, I was watching um, this episode on the Young Turks, and they were talking about how the new James Bond is going to be a black female. And they did not take any other consideration that the only reason that people were kind of bummed about it is that they're racist. Nothing else. They immediately went to the, oh, the reason people don't want to see a, uh, you know, James Bond being played by the person because they hate black people. And I'm like, uh, no, I wouldn't have the DeLorean from Back to the Future be a Ford Mustang. I would not have uh, Ellen Ripley from Aliens be played by Johnny Depp, who, uh, you know, white male. It's just that I don't want to see a character that is original being played by anybody else. I don't care if she was white. I don't care if she's black, Mexican, whatever, pink. You know, um, you know, James Bond is a suave, you know, freaking uh, pale limey. No offense to the Brits. But um, <laughs> you know, and well, no, I, I get it. Me. I get it. I think I think the name calling, I think the labeling, you know, this was something I was talking about very early on in my channel. Labeling shuts down critical thinking. You know, it's it's it, it, they're called thought stopping cliches for a reason because it stops your thinking. You don't have to think anymore because I got a label, I got a cliche. You know, we're making America great again. You know, great, wonderful, awesome. You know, um, no. The other thing on there that that you know that they do is they they tell everyone that every single person who voted for Trump 
is a member of the Ku Klux Klan. And I, you know, admittedly, I voted for Donald Trump, but I'm not a member of the Ku Klux Klan. I'm not even racist, you know, and it's just that they need to, the more you attack, here's how you, here's how you turn a Trump voter or not turn, but here's how you get them to think um, to your side and have a conversation with you. You stop calling them Nazis. You stop calling them racist. And you ask them, why did you vote for Donald Trump? I'm curious. Don't assume that you already know why they voted for Donald Trump, because I'm pretty sure that, you know, over a million people didn't vote for them because they couldn't wait to go to a book burning fire, you know, and it's this whole, just thinking that you know somebody, I wouldn't say that, you know, if, if everyone that had Bernie um, won the nomination, I wouldn't say that everyone that voted for Bernie, you know, wants, uh, you know, a socialist country. You know, I would ask him like, oh, what are your thoughts on Bernie? Why did you vote for him? You know, I, I'd be curious. But the way the media has pitted us against each other it's so hard to do these days because we feel that we already know who this person is before even knowing who they are, because we've been told that this person is Y or this person is Z. And it's, I don't know how to, how to stop that because it's, I, I feel like, um, you know, I'm one person trying to stop a, a freight train as like you are, but. Well, yeah. all we can do is encourage communication, openness, honesty, patience, tolerance, understanding. You know, and 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 it all starts with recognition. I, and I really believe this. I think that this is the thing that has been lost. I really think we have we have all on all sides. We have lost sight of the fact that we are all Americans. All of us and we all deserve to be called Americans and we all deserve the respect that comes with that, that we want to give to one another about that. And I think the second thing is exactly what you just said, you know, is, is being open to hearing what, what the other person is saying, rather than dumping all these thought stopping cliches and, and assumptions on them. And that goes both ways. That is, that is, I'm talking to everybody here. Because I mean, like, it's, it, it sucks when I see somebody, you know, some kid in a restaurant wearing a MAGA hat and somebody comes and dumps a soda on them and starts, you know, yelling and screaming at them. You know, it's like, okay, you don't agree with him that he voted for Donald Trump, but, you know, what is, does that make that kid now say, you know what, I was totally wrong about the left? Exactly. It, gets re it reinforces everything. That's right. So, yeah, I, uh, I think that's where we're pretty much going to wrap this up. Because I, I think that's really how it comes down to. It's, in, it's, it's hard work uh, on all of our parts. And recognizing we all have something to do with it, you know, and maybe yeah. if we all do a little bit, maybe it'll add up to a lot. And I, I, I have nothing else to say on it. <laughs> I think it'll take a lot more channels um, like yours. It'll take, you know, people like you and I uh, discussing it, having conversations, uh, you know, talking to other people, being open to, you know, to, to just a dialogue. Because exactly. right now there, there's, there's no dialogue. It's just people you know, how they can out insult one another, you know, like, um, right. you know, and that's yeah, it's, the, it's the virtue thing. signaling on all sides. You know, mm -hmm. I, if we, if you and I, and you and I very definitely disagree on all kinds of things, <laughs> we've had sure. a lot of talks, but if you and I can sit here for an hour doing this podcast and have a civil conversation about all of this and actually see that we have a whole lot in common, 
about how we're looking at this stuff. You know, maybe other people could too. And, uh, and I'm, I, I guess I'm done preaching on that. Yeah, that's always been my thing, man. And to end it on my part, I, I, you know, when I look at two people, like, you know, and I'll, and I'll say, like, uh, I've always had this little analogy. I'll put a Bernie supporter and, and, a, and a Trump supporter, and I'll put them side by side. And these are two people right now that are supposed to, I, you know, hate each other. But, you know, I would say that what do you guys have in common? One. You both want success in your life. You both want to make sure that your families are healthy, that you guys have a good job, that, you know, you, uh, you know, that you're good people, that you believe that you're doing right by things. Uh, you both, you know, want to, you both probably don't want to hurt other people. That's, you know, I'm, I'm just, maybe I'm going out of limb, but I'm pretty sure that I'm right about that. You both, uh, probably respect other people. You may disagree on what other people say, but I don't think both of you are bad people. Now, if you can understand that you have more in common with each other than you realize, then maybe you can come together and open up that dialogue. But now, you know, just these two people just see their banners, you know, the, you know, you got the Boltons and you got the Starks and, right. you know, I'm sorry, the Lannisters and the Starks, you know, <laughs> right. but if you can, right. If you can just see that, um, you know, let Jamie Lannister come in, man, let him fight for you guys for a little bit. Talk to him. Maybe he's such a bad guy. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that if if we could all lower our banners and then just kind of have a, a meet and greet, so to speak, maybe it wouldn't be such a bad thing. I think that needs to be an experiment, man. I, I think that there needs to be like, you know, like the, the Crowder does. He goes to the universities and I have to say, change my mind. But he doesn't really want to change, have people change his mind. He wants to state his opinion and try to change their mind. But um, I think that somebody should have something like that. You should have somebody that says, I'm a Bernie supporter, you know, welcoming Trump supporters. I'm a Trump supporter, welcoming Bernie supporters. Come and talk to me. And before you know it, you might have a bunch of people around there. It wouldn't surprise me if you didn't. And I, I think that's something that needs to be done because that, who knows, that may catch fire. Big time, man. All right. Well, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to, to be on here. And, yeah. uh, and we managed to keep it pretty civil. <laughs> <laughs> And like I said, when we started this, we had no outline. We had nothing. We were just like, okay, let's just talk because we're both frustrated. And we're and and it's just the the heat just keeps going up and up and something had to be done. Uh, I know this has helped bring my temperature down. And uh, and if I can do anything to help bring anybody's temperature down out there and and help some social discourse happen, then I think that then I will consider that a job well done. Thanks for yeah. watching, folks. Leave any questions, comments, or feedback in the comment section below uh, at, here at sensiblyspeaking.com uh, or on YouTube. And I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.